This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor and the ones who like to stir the pot. I'm Java Chapman, here with two of my nearest and dearest, Carol Palmer and Joe Sherman. Good morning, guys. How y'all doing? Good morning, Java. How are you? Morning, Java. We're doing great. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I mean, you know, besides uh, Monday morning on live radio, (laughs) we're doing doing all right. (laughs) Java, I'm sure you noticed that Joe Sherman has come prepared and come to play today. Oh, yeah. We were talking before the uh, before the show. No longer is Joe our special guest co-host. Joe is a full member of the family here at Deep South Dining. And, uh, man, we can't thank you enough for being so prepared. You're and welcome. he brought a big bag of goodies <laughs> that were spread all over the table. We have gadgets. We have empty water bottles. I'm sure there are going to be some tricks up his sleeve Just like here. my grandfather, I'm a peddler. So before we get started, we need to give a shout-out to the Ole Miss Rebels for winning the College World Series. We need to give a shout-out to Gulf Coast Community College winning the Division II College World Series. And we have to give a shout-out to Mississippi State for winning last Last year. There are only three states states that have had two schools win it two consecutive years. Arizona, California, Texas, now Mississippi. Way to go. Man, good job, guys. Yay, yeah. us. You can, you can only uh, congratulate excellence. Uh, well, you know, know, our friend Marshall Ramsey did a cartoon yesterday morning, and it had a, a big welcome to Mississippi sign, and underneath it it says, we are good at college baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll take the catfish moniker off of our state yeah. and put a big old baseball. <laughs> oh, hey, we, we'll take it, man. They were down at, uh, on Jackson Street. I, I saw on the news and stuff having, having big fun yesterday, big fun yesterday. So what are you guys up to this um, this summer? I mean, I know y'all kitchens are always busy, but one thing I do commend you guys on, I always kind of keeping up with the seasons, you know, any any summer, summer kitchening going on? Well, my summer kitchen is not nearly as exciting as all, all the people I'm watching <laughs> on cooking and coping, but I've been frying fish, catching brim up until last week when it got so hot. And uh, still on my search for the perfect tomato sandwich. And one of our friends and listeners, Sherry Lucas, one of the great writers in Mississippi, brought us two perfect Cherokee purple tomatoes. Mm. So tomato sandwich, BLT this weekend. And, of course, I've got pots of lady peas, okra and tomatoes, all that kind of stuff on the stove. But, Joe, over at your house... I've been seeing the pictures. Well, that we, stuffed eggplant. Steph, Mary Pryor makes this great stuffed eggplant dish. It's an Anna Garden recipe, and you basically you take the eggplant, you cut it in half lengthwise, you scoop out some of the flesh, and you cook the flesh, lamb, uh, uh, garlic, cumin, oregano, and cinnamon, and a little red wine. You put the eggplant in the oven, uh, coat them with olive oil, put a cup of water in the pan, and cook them about 30 minutes so you can pierce them with a fork. Then you load them up with the stuffing, and then you mix, um, let's see, goat cheese, uh, ricotta, or we use just cream cheese, and butter, and uh, mint, and parsley, and an egg yolk. Oh, my gosh. And so my job is to get the egg yolk, and I used to watch my mother shift the egg from one half of the shell to the other, and 
people, the, the fancy chefs, let it run through their hands. I came up, I saw this before, where you take a, your favorite water bottle, you uh-huh. break the egg, you put it in a, in a, a mise en place or a glass bowl, you squeeze the bottle. That is a water then, bottle. Then you put the, the uh, mouth of the water bottle on the yolk, release it, and the yolk pops in here. Then you just squirt it back where you want it. Now, that is a fan. Now, we talk about uh, life hacks on Fixing 101 all the time. Now, that's a, that's a kitchen It works hack. great. And it I, works great. I love it that he brought the empty plastic water bottle to demo with sound effects. I love oh, sound This effects. is live radio. You got to hear, you gotta hear the squish. That's right. And then we did some shrimp scampi. Then we did, to Carol's point, we did just a simple pasta dish where we cooked, uh, put olive oil and butter, a little garlic, added some uh, homegrown tomatoes, then added parsley, basil, uh, oregano, and then we just let it reduce, add a little wine, and the secret ingredient was about a half a teaspoon of anchovy paste. Made the biggest difference in the world. And then we added the noodles, and it was phenomenal. Light, well, it, it was just be- I mean, it was just a, a, a southern, I mean, not a southern, but a southern <laughs> Italian supper. Right. I mean, you just just using what you know, what's in your what we what's had. in your kitchen. The only it, thing it, I had to buy was anchovy paste, and it's not the yeah. easiest thing to find. Anchovy paste. Anchovy paste. It's, uh, well, you know, one of the key ingredients to one of our favorite uh, condiments. Uh, Lee and Perrin's Worcester sauce, one of the key ingredients is anchovies. The last thing it says is contains anchovies. <laughs> so I think that's for the people that don't yeah, like anchovies. Anchovies are big at our house. Or don't read, one of the two. I don't know. Not for me. Um, Joe, one thing I saw that y'all cooked that really interested me is you did a shrimp scampi one night. I do that a lot, but you added... Grill, grilled the grilled corn. It right. just perked up the color and looked it, you know, delicious. That's one of our favorite dishes is grilled corn. Just uh, I spray it with Pam, put it on the grill, mm-hmm. and when the kernels start to turn a little bit brown, take it off, take it off the uh, uh, cob, and then put it in salads, uh, eat it on the side, eat it on the cob. But I thought that added a little bit of color and it added a lot of flavor, added a little bit of sweetness that you don't necessarily get from that dish. Well, it looked it looked beautiful, and one thing I love about cooking and coping is how many tips that you know I get just little things like that. But did were you on the site this weekend? Yes, yes. Could you believe all the fabulous cooking that was going on? I mean, some of the I mean, I need to probably go back to school because there's a lot of information out there. With all these great chefs, a good good friend of mine and a good friend of your brother, Richard, uh, John Hartline, he's an excellent chef, an excellent cook. And he did some, went to his house for dinner one night, and he did dates. He took dates, and he pitted the date, and he put an almond in there. Then he put shaved Parmesan cheese in it. Then he baked them in the oven for 10 minutes at 350. Then he took them out and put balsamic vinegar on top of it. Mm-hmm. Very simple but very elegant and really, really, really good. He's a, an excellent chef. Well, when you when you call him a chef, I don't want people to think no. that he is in a restaurant kitchen. He is like the he's rest a, of home, us. He's a home chef. He is a yeah, uh, yes, because yeah, that's what, that's what we're about. And for those who don't know, cooking and coping is a Facebook site that we all started during the pandemic, and it's not about precious food. It's, it's about. Just, you know, it's not about people taking pictures of little bitty <laughs> things on plates. That's all right. it, it's about real food. Oh, and what, you, what you're cooking at home. You know, our pictures in our in our photos, 
the plate's not larger than the food. Okay. <laughs> but so. there, are, there are a couple of things that caught my attention um, this weekend. One is, uh, did you see Sherry Lucas did an alligator sauce piquant? And her comment was, this is what happens when the nearest grocery store is D.A.'s Cajun Shack. <laughs> well, you never know. She lives, she's living down in Summit, Mississippi. And um, Cindy Miller McMullen did a cherry tomato galette that should be, mm. you know, suitable for framing. And, of course, uh, Tim Pearson, Memphis. Now, listen to this. Grilled pork rib chop with bourbon peach compote on top and a tomato tart. The thing that amazes me about some most of the people is the fact that they're as good a photographer as they are a cook. I mean, and they're, they're doing still, it on an iPhone I, or a, a I mean, you know, talking smartphone. About eat, talking, eating with your eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh my gosh, there's some things out there. I think uh, Charlotte Pelton put something on there just. Either this morning, I mean, oh my goodness, I, I can't tell you how great it looks. It was the chipotle fried chicken exactly, on a waffle. Exactly. I remember that, that was one. Wonderful. A that chipotle fried chicken. Chipotle on a fried waffle? chicken on a waffle. There were several chicken and waffles on the site. Now that's how I can get with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you can. I, um, I know you can. But one thing before we move on, I, I wanted to share with. Uh, with you guys and with our audience. We got the most wonderful Facebook comment from Kimberly Fajardo Carrillo. Now, she is in ARP, Texas, and she has a business called Texas Tortilla Kitchen. And after I saw her menu and pictures on Facebook, I looked up how far it was so we can go. <laughs> it's only four hours and 39 minutes, but this is, this is what she said to us. I have a small business, Texas Tortilla Kitchen, and we listen to Deep South Dining during our more quiet task. I love it. My family is from Mexico, and my grandparents settled in rural East Texas. My grandmother was a great home cook of Mexican food, but she also cooked at a local boys' home where she learned all Southern recipes. And during the time, everything was made for scratch, from scratch. So one of my favorite meals came to be fried pork chops, green, and cornbread. Mm. Uh, but anyway, she said, I love seeing everyone's post, and food is a love language for me. Uh, she posted a beautiful Fiesta chicken salad that y'all have got to go look at. But um, I think a special hello from all of us, and I know Malcolm <laughs> would share, too. To the kitchen at awesome. Texas Tortilla Kitchen. Thank you. Thank you for thank listening. You. Yes, really. Thank you all the time. And thank you. Um, I, I got to correct you a little bit, Joe. Charlie Reeves, all, uh, a great listener here. Uh, it was Pearl River Community College. Oh, I'm sorry. That won the, the junior college. college. I'm sorry. Yeah. My, yeah, sorry. I'm, my bad. I know. Glad, glad you're out there. Charlie. <laughs> now, one other thing that we um, that Joe you was so spot on this morning is this uh, QP mayonnaise. It's named after the QP doll. The QP doll. In nineteen twenty-five, uh, I can't pronounce the gentleman's first name, but his last name is Nakashima. He spent three years in the United States as an intern for the Japan Department of uh, Agriculture and Commerce. And he made this mayonnaise? And he decided that he needed to come up with a better mayonnaise than they had in Japan. So some of our listeners are probably familiar with Betty Boop, 
Some of you may not be, but she was a Cupid doll. She had black curly hair with two little black spit curls by each ear, and she had rosy cheeks. Well, he named it after the Cupid doll that was so popular during that time in the United States. Now, the secret to this mayonnaise, well, it's... Kristen Williams, wherever you are, you started, we, you created a trend. She stirred the, the pot. In the food, no <laughs> yeah. doubt about it. You created a trend in the Kristen food industry. Kristen is one of our listeners and, and posters, and just a comment about an egg salad she was making. On, she read it on a bus going to the ballet from Jackson to New Orleans. And, and we so were on that we bus, were on the but bus. little did we know. And so it's created this stir, and everybody's trying to buy it. So Carol calls and says, Joe, let's test it. On the radio. I said, great. So I go into Mr. Chin's to buy the Cupid mayonnaise, and I didn't know how to pronounce it at the time. So I got a screenshot, and I showed it to one of the, one of the ladies that worked there, and she said two things. No mo, No mo. So she didn't have any more. They're out of it. So we've completely uh, de- depleted the shelves and the inventory in Mr. All Chin's. All over. <laughs> and, you know, and all over. I mean, literally, we've had... I don't know, you know, dozens and dozens, maybe more, uh, you know, reports of everybody <laughs> using Cupid mayonnaise on everything. And I think the mayonnaise itself has been used in Japan. In Japan. Yeah, they may not call it, but it's, it, yeah, he cupied up a, a right. an American. Well, the mayonnaise has got only egg, white, egg, egg yolks and vinegar. This is me opening the crackers. (laughs) So so there's now there's two. One of our listeners and another great uh, cook out there, home chef Kevin Cantor, made the comment that there's two different. He's from Memphis, right? No, he's from here. He used to teach sushi classes. I I remember. I thought he was okay. So there's if you pull it up on the internet, you'll see some that look like they're in a pouch and some that look like they're in a squeeze bottle. Now Kevin said the one in the squeeze bottle has a completely different taste profile. So we have some from the pouch some from the squeeze bottle and just for those of you that might be traveling the squeeze bottle is considered mm. a gel and they won't let you on the airplane with it so well, just you, you know oh, well, okay. <laughs> you never know you just never know so this is the taste so this cupid mayonnaise and then another another thing that we talked about a little bit before the show was how you add this as a uh, i guess a secret ingredient to like some of your classic dishes that you might use mayonnaise in to kick it up a notch. Kick it up a notch. This is really good. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, one of one of the characteristics of it, it it's really really smooth, tangy. This is. I know we're making people hungry because they can hear it. Look, wait till they get back in stock. Order it on Amazon. One of the two. <laughs> that's, that's funny. You said you went you went by the store. And nobody was speaking English except for the customers. You hold up the Cupid, and it's just like, no, no more. more. No, no more. more. <laughs> it's it all gone. Okay, <laughs> Java, have you tasted it yet? I think the, the, the one out of the, out of the uh, pouch, as I call it, has a little bit more of the vinegar in it than this one. You need to taste this one, Carol. Okay. Yeah. Pardon us while we eat on the air. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm, I'm, I'm with the little more vinegar on I I... This one, doesn't have, this one doesn't have as much, um, but it is now. This is another one that we will add to our um, mayonnaise wars. I don't think it'll overtake Dukes or or um, or Hellman's. Hellman's. But um, <laughs> QP is something that you may you may, you may want to partake in. Well, let me just read you something I found. I think Bon Appetit magazine did a story on QP mayonnaise, and it says the moral of this story. 
there is room in your fridge and your heart for more than one mayo. Because, <laughs> I mean, you, you know, regular mayo, I mean, you just don't want to dump a bunch of this expensive stuff That's in right. a potato salad. That's right, exactly. <laughs> be, be, be selective. So, I went you, to jail. Yeah, with the jail. It's, it's better. I mean, <laughs> Kevin was right. It's, it's really a little bit. It's, a, it's different. It's more vinegar in it, I think. Uh, so, Kristen Williams, wherever you, you are, are this right. morning, you know, thank you for introducing uh, thousands. Actually, we have over five thousand people on cooking and coping in the audience out there to I think keep it's the manage. first time I've ever really seen a hot item in the food world there since you I've go. been doing this. <laughs> Well, let's well, go ahead and uh, wait. Let's talk about sriracha. Oh, sriracha! And oh, I know yeah, there's a lot of sur- a lot of sriracha fans out there. Well, the company that makes sriracha, Hufong <coughs> Foods, uh, is discontinuing the production of sriracha due to the shortage of chilies based but this on is the temporary. weather. It's temporary. It is temporary. However, back to Mr. Chin's, they do have a sign with sriracha <laughs> on it that says "One per customer." So. Uh, if you need it, you better go get it. We Load may be, up, we may be creating another false demand. But anyway, it's great. I have I bought a bottle there and I bought a bottle um, at Walmart, actually. There you go. One per customer. I mean, hats and glasses still work as uh, good disguises. That's so, right. you know, you, you can go in there and maybe get one or two bottles right. under the guise of uh, a disguise. Now, let's go ahead and take our first break for the hour. We're having lots of fun this morning. I mean, mayonnaise and talking about all of the Joe with his props. But we're going to welcome back uh, Malcolm White, who just uh, recently got back from overseas, took a nice trip to Italy. So, you know, he's he, got jet lag. He has plenty of things to talk about. We gave, yeah, we gave the morning off, but we're still going to bring him in and talk with him. Also, we want to know what's happening for your 4th of July. Do you have any 4th of July favorites that you just have to have on that celebration table? We're going to talk about that and more as we continue with Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is Deep South Dining right here. I'm Java Chapman with your host, Carol Palmer, Joe Sherman, and this is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. We have a call on the line as we get ready to welcome back uh, Malcolm White, who has a bit of jet lag this morning, fresh off the flight from Italy. <laughs> uh, but Italy, as we say Italy. in Mississippi. One word. Now, let's talk with um, Mike and Hernando, who wants to join our fund this morning. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? Good morning, you guys. This is a kind of a Fourth of July uh, uh, idea because we've always done it. Plus, it'll answer one of your questions about the tomato sandwich. My mother used to uh, slightly brown the bread on one side, you know, slightly toasted, and two slices. Then on the inside, on the soft side, she'd put a beautiful slice. About, you know, an eighth of an inch or so slice of white red tomato and mayonnaise and sprinkle it with basil and salt, of course. That was the most delicious meal, and we've had it ever since. Mm. It's just a wonderful sandwich, and it goes well with anything. Now, we started adding real, actual spinach leaves, uh, layering Mm. them on there, too. And, boy, that is so good, you'll just fall over dead. 
<laughs> that that just absolutely sounds delicious. And uh, Mike, we also uh, saw a tomato sandwich from somebody up your way, Tim Pearson, Memphis. His is the tomato and bologna sandwich. With a Ooh, Ripley, yeah. to, I've never heard of a tomato and bologna sandwich, but whatever your personal perfect tomato sandwich is, that's it. I'm going with yours. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. And just remember to slightly toast the brown, the one side of the bread, then use the soft sides as the inside of the sandwich, and you'll be surprised. You heard it here on Deep South Dining. There you go. There you go. Appreciate it, thank Mike. You. Thank you for joining us Thanks this morning. As always, we love hearing from you, so make sure you give us a call, one 672 7464 We would love to hear this morning about specifically your 4th of July favorites. What are something? What is something that you have to have on your 4th of July celebration table that makes it really that much special? I know for myself, I had to really kind of think about it because um, um, if it's some good barbecue going on, some great potato salad, um, I'm, I'm a pretty happy camper, but one thing that really makes it fourth of july and i did it you know a lot when i was a young young child at grandmama's house it's homemade ice cream homemade ice cream that's that's that means that yes it's fourth of july it's summertime and me and my cousins are in my grandmother's backyard watching that that crank turn (laughs) my dad and mom used to make blueberry ice cream which was phenomenal but before that they'd make peach ice cream and i wasn't in favor of the peach ice cream because the peaches froze. They were so hard, it's like, you know. But blueberry ice cream's wonderful. Yeah. It was a crank, too. It was not electric. Got a crank. <laughs> yeah, it got a crank. We did get an electric. Well, she got an electric, you know, later uh, later on. But, yeah, it all started with that with that crank. But um, let's talk with Malcolm White, who is um, on the phone, fresh off the flight. From where did he come from, uh, Carol? He came coast, from right? Italy. 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 <laughs> One word, Italy. Uh, <laughs> one, one, of, one of my customers one time told me, that their son had gone to Rome, Italy, Europe. So that's where Malcolm has been. <laughs> Welcome well, back, I'm brother. Back Glad to have you good back. Good to hear from y'all. Joe, it's good to hear from you, Carol. Bob, I miss you guys, but um, hopefully I'll be joining you soon. But it's great. to. I've enjoyed the conversation this morning. You made me very hungry, and I consider that uh, the, the reason that we exist. So congratulations. There you go, high quality radio, man. But yeah, we actually we want to hear about you and and all your culinary adventures. Uh, I think myself at the table is the only one who has not been to Italy. So um, tell tell me because Joe and Carol tell know. brother Java. <laughs> tell me what it what it was like, um, you know, uh, in Rome with the Romans and and eating like the Italians. <laughs> <laughs> well, as as you know, um, Italy has many different culinary regions and if you watch the stanley tucci searching for italy program on cnn you will see i think that he, he says there's like 23 regions but whatever it's a huge uh, amount of culinary information to take in now where we were was on the amalfi coast the amalfi coast is a unesco site it is preserved and it's considered to be one of the most beautiful uh, areas uh, in europe and and perhaps in the world but it's a, a seaside um, uh, setup. There are several towns and cities along the coast. Amalfi itself is a community. Uh, Naples is sort of sort of how you get to and from it. Um, 
we stayed in uh, Positano, which is a beautiful little community, and Ravello is another uh, sort of medieval uh, community up on a hill. Uh, but but beautiful, beautiful landscape, great food. The food, of course, is Italian. You know, if you go to Italy, you're going to eat Italian food. They don't fool with much of anybody else's cuisine. <laughs> and why should they? <laughs> <laughs> but but we ate a lot of seafood because we were on uh, the water. We ate mussels and clams and anchovies and even a piece of amberjack. Mm. Um, but but the, and of course pasta and of course pizza. And vegetables uh, like, of course, eggplant and zucchini and these tomatoes and these fruits that they grow are just sensational. And a lot of it's grown on the mainland around Sorrento and, and Naples, uh, where the, uh, the Vesuvia, the, the great uh, volcano, exists and has, over the years, much like the Mississippi Delta's alluvial soil, the soil in and around this part of the world is so rich and so amazing as a result of Vesuvia's, uh, uh, you know, years of building up beautiful dirt for beautiful vegetables. But it was an outstanding trip. We had a fabulous time. Uh, th- there was one dish that, uh, that I thought was ridiculous, and that was a zucchini pasta dish where they slice the zucchini and fry it and then cook it in with onions and parsley. Uh, in a in a nice dish with with pasta. Uh, again, I've seen Stanley Tucci do quite a bit of a segment on this particular dish. It's very uh, localized there in and around the Amalfi Coast. But food was great. The landscape was ridiculously beautiful. And uh, if you haven't been to that part of the world, uh, I would encourage you to do so. Of course, we flew in and out of Rome, so we were able to spend a few nights in Rome and eat some Roman food. So tell and us about me- the Roman, I mean, about the, the, the difference. Well, what they call Roman food is our meatballs, pasta, uh, pizzas, you know, very typical Italian food. Uh, but I remember taking a list down to the front desk of the hotel that um, – Robert St. John had shared with me, and um, Jane Jones had, had shared with me, and I presented it to the uh, concierge, and I said, I'm looking for a recommendation, and she would go down the list, and she'd say, this is not Roman food. This is not Roman food. This is not Roman food. <laughs> and then ended up sending us to a little uh, family-owned place uh, a few blocks away in the St. George section of Rome where we were staying, and we had a fantastic meal. Well, I have a question. I want to go back to the Amalfi Coast because that's some place that's fascinated me for years, and it's on my bucket list. But did you? I know I've heard about the Amalfi Lemon. I see, you know, mm-hmm. all of their, uh, you know, any ceramics and textiles always have have mm-hmm. the lemon on it. So, can you speak to the Amalfi Lemon for days? <laughs> the, Amalfi, the Amalfi lemons are are so good. They're gigantic. They, think of a grapefruit. Wow. Wow. And and they don't just use the lemon juice. They use the rind. They use everything. They make limoncello out of yes. the rind, the lemon. So that's where limoncello yes. came from. Very good. Excellent. 
Yes, and and, and, and limoncello is. Would you call it a liqueur, Joe? I would. Yes. It is wonderful. Over for all listening, it's over over ice cream, vanilla yes, ice cream. That's right. Yay. And and we spent a little bit of time in uh, the Isle of Capri or Capri, as they pronounce it over there. A beautiful, beautiful uh, island uh, with lots of amazing foods. But this is the home of. Carol, you and I were talking about this, the Caprizi salad. Mm. Yes, and and uh, that is tomatoes, buffalo mozzarella, and basil. basil. And I learned something from you, Malcolm. The Why colors. those colors? Those are the colors of the Italian flag. Exactly. That's why the marguerite, the same thing with the marguerite pizza. Right. Correcto tinto. But I'll tell you one dish I had uh, that was worth mentioning here was a stuffed zucchini flour with buffalo mozzarella and an anchovy fry. Oh, wow. As an appetizer. It was so fine. Mm. Yeah. Malcolm, do you have any fried artichoke? You know, we did not have fried artichoke. I, we ate some artichoke. Um, it seems like I got a couple of Salads that had artichokes okay. on it. We, we ate everything they were serving. You know, <laughs> it, it was just so good. Uh, but fresh, fresh, fresh. And, of course, uh, you know, again, if you don't like Italian food, don't go to Don't go to Joe, you told me a story one time about going to Italy and about mozzarella. Can you share oh, that with us? We went on a trip that Elaine Trigiani had planned for us. And about an hour and a half outside of Naples, there's a where they make mozzarella, and they have all the, the buffalo out there, and the buffalo are listening to Mozart the whole time, every day, every night. And what they have done is there's something about the uh, male calf, and when they slaughter the calf, they instead of you know wasting the leather or the hide, they went and hired designers from Dolce Gabbana and Gucci, and they make handbags as well as mozzarella, as well as gelato. So Wow. The, the, now, the, why does the buffalo listen? Does Mozart make them calm? Cause calms most, them, makes them calm. Make I them, mean, Mozart has some pretty frenetic well, stuff going on, too. These are some pretty frenetic uh, buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad they have good, t- good they taste. Do. They have good taste and taste good, right? Now, Malcolm, is there anything that you you you, you partake in uh, on this trip that you're you know looking to bring back home or maybe try to recreate in the kitchen? Well, this zucchini pasta dish, uh, is worthy of experiment and time. Fortunately, again, and I don't want to, I'm not endorsing Stanley Tucci or CNN, but I, I have watched every episode of searching for Italy. But there is this one episode where he becomes, you know, convinced that he's going to find this zucchini pasta recipe and he finds it in the Amalfi coast and goes into the detail about how it's cooked. It is, it is unbelievable. I mean, I know people like zucchini squash and I'm sure they've cooked them a number of ways, but blended into this dish with this pasta, it just takes it to another whole level. Okay, I want to go back uh, to what you said originally. Is this the one where they fry the zucchini and then put it in the pasta? Right, correct. So, are are they? Is are you frying bits or the whole? You know, how is the zucchini sliced? 
Well, by the time it appears in the pasta dish, it's just pieces here and there. But, uh, again, on uh, I think on the Stanley Tucci episode, they, ch- they cut it up just for cooking purposes, you know, like ovals, mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. Just, and, and then move it from that over into a sauce. Well, there's onions and garlic and a few other things. Of course, you know, the Italians only want to put three ingredients per dish. They think if you put any more than three ingredients you're not going to be able to taste right. the subtleties of the dish. And, and let me say this about Italy and about people who listen to our show and who are from this part of the world. We are so blessed that there are a number of people from Mississippi who go often to Italy, and even some of them have moved to Italy, and they are always happy to take people like us uh, around the country and tour them. Elaine Trigiani, you mentioned, Joe. Right. You know, has a business of, of of cultural tours, culinary tours, people coming over, and she shows you around. Uh, Jane Halbert Jones, who planned our trip, does the same thing. And Robert St. John takes groups every year to Italy, and introduces them to restaurateurs and and growers. And it's, I mean, we're so blessed that we're sitting here with a bunch of our friends who do this, and so it's not as unapproachable as one might. Be. Makes me want to go, but I think I'm. I think I'm going to be watching Stanley Tucci for a That's while. Right. And yeah, I think yeah. Malcolm was talking about this Stanley. Like he said, he's not endorsing it, but he makes it sound really good. And coming off of a, a trip across the water, I think I may check it out too. It's you love it. Yeah. You love it. Something to get into. Now that now that you are back in Mississippi, um, I mean we do have another uh food holiday coming up fourth of July. Do you have any any plans or or like we asked our, our callers, um and I'll get Joe and uh Carol to share in a moment. What's something on your fourth of July pl- uh plate or table that, you know, means something to you? Like I just mentioned uh homemade ice cream. If it's there, then I know it's fourth of July. Well I certainly have a uh fondness for homemade ice cream as well and of course it takes me right back to my grandparents backyard growing up in wiggins but the thing the quintessential item for me for fourth of july and and just the depths of summer is the watermelon and, and i was recently in the grocery store here in jackson and watched an elderly gentleman approach the watermelon bin and and very strategic pick them up and thump on them and hold them and look underneath and and I and I wondered out loud to this gentleman, you know, tell me about your process. Tell me about how you go about picking one. I didn't know if the old thumping and, and weight was was just a you know folk tale. And he explained to me that when you thump them, you're looking for a deep, rich sound, not a quick thump that ends because if it if, if the thump has no resonance and no depth to it then the watermelon is not right. It's still green. Don't pick that one. But if you get a good bass drum, thoo, thoo, and, and a reverberation, then that guy is ripe and full of water. And the reason people pick them up and hold them is the heavier they are, the more mature they are, the more full of water they are, really? the juicier they are, the sweeter they are. And then finally, you're supposed to turn them over and look on the bottom uh, to see the belly of it where it's been on the ground and if it's if it's a yellow brown where it's been lying on the ground that you can tell that it's ripe and ready for your fourth of july table and your fourth of july celebration 
Well, that's that, that's, you that's heard a right it on. Here. <laughs> you heard it first, right here. <laughs> that's a right on. Well, Malcolm, I'm with you. The watermelon is my Fourth of July go-to. Yeah, a nice cold slice of melon with a little bit of salt, maybe on top. Um, really takes me back to growing up in Stone County and and my my folks. <laughs> Well, we appreciate you joining us, uh, Malcolm. We gave you some, you know, some time off so you can uh, drink your drink your Red Bull and get your jet lag <laughs> get off. Going. <laughs> well, we hope well, to uh, have you back in great studio to hear next from week. Our, our, our third leg, uh, Joe. We appreciate well, you and Java always, and Carol. Y'all, y'all sound great. The show is fantastic. Thanks so much, and look forward to being back. Uh, after the 4th of July weekend. All right. Thanks yes, for having me. Yes, sir. We appreciate you, Malcolm. And uh, have a good one, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's the 4th of July. I, I, I thought about that, but not next week because next week is actually the 4th of July. Right. It's the exactly. holiday. Exactly the 4th of July. Yeah, but let us know what's happening Um, your 4th of July table. We're going to have some grilling tips and uh, talk about the world-famous Snackle Box. Snackle Box. Here we, we come. Uh, <laughs> when we come back. So let us know what's uh, special on your 4th of July table. Uh, we have watermelon. We had homemade ice cream. Is it your auntie's homemade pies or maybe it's Big Brother's pulled pork? Let us know. 1-877-672-7464 or send us an email, food at mpbonline.org. More Deep South Dining after the break. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. You're listening to Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. I'm Java Chapman with Carol Palmer and Joe Sherman. We just spoke with uh, Malcolm White all about his trip, uh, recent trip to Italy. And now with 4th of July right around the corner, we're trying to see what's special on your 4th of July table. You can give us a call, 1-877-672-7464. That's one 877 Six seven two seven four six four. Send us an email, food at mpbonline.org. Like I said before the break, maybe it is your auntie's homemade pies or, um, I don't know, your big brother's pulled pork or whoever does the, the barbecuing because that is just customary. Or maybe it's a granny sweet tea with just the right amount of lemon, you know, that uh, reminds you of the 4th of July. So let us know, one eight seven seven. MPB ring. Um, but I know we said we were going to talk about the world famous, the incredible. This just, I don't know, is it an invention from your mind, Joe? The snackle box. I think it's an invention from my wife's mind, Mary Pryor. <laughs> I mean, it's a great, That's it's a great really answer. great. So, what is a snackle box? So, it won't be on Wikipedia, I'm sure, so you have to listen to us. A snackle box is any type of tackle box. We used one from Bass Pro. It's the flat one. It's not the one that you open up like a tool chest and has a little tiered, but you could use one. But the snackle box, an old, a tackle box, has sections, and you can take out and make the sections as big or as small as you would like. And what we have done is we've taken it to use as an hors d'oeuvre tray. So one little compartment might have black olives, another one uh, smoked oysters, another one or another three with three different kinds of salamis, 
uh, three types of crackers, pickled okra, cheese, homemade crostini, praline pecans, figs, dates. You can make it as big or as small as you would like to. And it's a great conversation piece. If you want something to break the ice, this will surely break the ice. Well, that's why I asked Joe to talk about it today, because I was lucky enough to go to a dinner at his house, and they had a tackle box. It had a Bass Pro logo, you know, on on the top, you know, open with just all these fabulous food, like, you know, these Italian dried sausages, and... Every get, I mean, I think there were just six of us, but right. nobody would leave the snackle box. It was a snackle box, you know. It was a you the, had to an keep Greek for yeah, the, for the, the snackle box. box. And I've premier. seen some other people doing them on cooking and coping and taking pictures. And it's also a great you could if you have young kids or even old kids, you can use it for like snacks, like goldfish, M and M's, and different things like that. And on vacation, it's easy to travel with. So all you do is close the top, and nothing falls out. Yeah, well, I, like that. I was thinking about it because, as you know, we live on a lake, and we're having people over family for the 4th of July, and the snackle box, the Bass Pro snackle box, and plus we have plenty of tackle boxes. I bet you do. And I'm going to do one, and so I went back and was trying to find what you put in it, and then I ended up texting you, but it was really one of the most fun conversation starters. Yeah. It was a conversation starter, and, you know, Maybe people that didn't know each other as well, you know, they bonded over a tackle box, a snackle <laughs> box. I mean, come on. You, you know, the world's all about uh, community and being with one another, and this was a great way to bring everybody together. Yeah. Think and so. then what's because, Carol, uh, you and Malcolm have mentioned when y'all went to uh, the dinner party, what was your first thought like what is this or what or who, or who, what who left the tackle this? box in the living room <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well i mean you have this tackle box filled with all these things that would go on a charcuterie tray and then right next to it you have jacques pepin's uh mousse, some, little yeah, chicken, a little mousse. chicken yeah <laughs> but the, the snackle box stands on its own no doubt about I, it I, I must say and well, i'll I'll bring a picture of mine. I'm sure it won't okay. be nearly as lovely. Ricky Sin used, did one. She made one. Ricky used to teach, used to develop curriculum for us at the Viking cooking schools. And she and her husband were out on a, uh, I think on their boat, and she created a tackle box. And I told her, snackle box. And she said, that's genius. Yeah. Now, where does she live? Somewhere far away. Uh, like I can't Pennsylvania. remember, but you know, her yeah. daughter lives in Carthage. Her oh, daughter's didn't a vet. Know that. Is a vet. Didn't she went know to Mississippi that. State Vet School. Didn't didn't know that, but um, anyway, I'm eager to hear if anybody does snackle boxes over the weekend. Right. Yeah. And now, one thing that will be done over the weekend is plenty of barbecue. Yes. I don't think I, I mean that is like a given, and no matter what neighborhood you go in, no matter what side of town you go on, the smoke is in the air. <laughs> I mean, the smoke is just in the air. <laughs> I smell smoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, now I want I want to uh say that um uh sauce is your friend for your for your meats. No doubt. But no not doubt. your but not your savior. That's right. That's exactly. You, have you can't to, cover up a bad piece of meat with a good sauce. Go, Cuz a lot of people will try to do it. They will try to do it. You have to know how to cook your meat, smoke your meat, and then let the let the sauce enhance your flavor. And I learned that from uh from one, my father, but then also uh, Eddie Wright from Wright, uh, Wright Barbecue because he's, he's all about. What, I think that's why they put it on at the end. 
you know, yeah. it's the last part of the. They don't smother it the, all right, the you know, way. So that's why they put it at the end. Sauce can be your friend, but not your savior. Like not it. your savior. I see a T-shirt in the making. I do too. <laughs> well, uh, Joe, I know you have a green egg and then an electric grill, so mm-hmm. you're you're quite a grill grill guy. But today, out of the <laughs> Lebanese peddler's bag, you also <laughs> you also brought some examples. We had been texting over the weekend. And I ask you about what you did about grilling vegetables. So tell us so what we've brought, got here. I love to grill vegetables, squash, zucchini, onions, bell peppers. Uh, mushrooms don't do too good because they, they, they get dry or they just fall apart. So if you, I don't know how many of you grill vegetables, but if you think about the vessels that you grill them in, some of them look like a a fry pan that's got holes all in it that you can put on the grill. A perforated. A, a perforated. Then you have one that looks like a square wok, so to speak, that's perforated. But there's this new thing out that I'm going to try. They're called mesh grill bags, and the manufacturer's Kona. And they look like, think of a Ziploc bag, but it's made out of a uh, out of mesh. mesh, and it can stand up to 600 degrees of heat. So you can put your vegetables in this little uh mesh bag and they lay them on the grill then they get charred you can flip them over with your spatula without having to flip them and uh, pull the and i have a one of these old uh, grilling baskets and the wooden handle gets hotter than you know what so it's kind of <laughs> hard to handle so i'm looking forward to using these mesh bags and i'm so, marinating so they look like silicone so don't That's think right. don't think loose mesh these are kind of a hard mesh yeah hard, hard and, silicone and if you don't want to do any of this sometimes i've even gone to the hardware store and bought a hardware cloth or screen and uh-huh. cut it in a square and put the vegetables on that but I always marinate mine in either wishbone dressing, and I have marinated them in Kara White's grandmother's uh, salad dressing out of Please Pass the Pilaf. <laughs> now, there we go. Oh, there, there we go. There we go. Okay, so I'm looking at this at the wok basket, and I used to sell these at the Everyday Gourmet, and I'm sure they still do. It's a square perforated wok. Right. Okay, tell me. What you do with this? How do you use I, this? I put the put the vegetables in the sit them on the bottom, and after they start to char, I have to take it off and flip them or flip them with the wok until I'm flip them with the tongs. Flip the other side till they get charred. Are you just kind of generally right, flipping, yeah. or either one by no, one I, flipping? No, yeah, you're just I'm kind generally of, flipping. You know, you're generally, generally flipping. flipping. I mean, but the mesh bag takes all that out of it. You have it on one side. When you think they're charred enough, just flip, flip the bag the over. And no mess. It's great. No mix. No mess. No mess. So, And then I have this other gadget that I got to plug that I have a big green egg, and it reminds me of Ron Popeil on Ronco. You set it and forget it. It's <laughs> called a DigiQ by a Barbecue Guru, and what you do is you put one probe in the meat, and you set the desired temperature. You put one probe on the grill. You set the desired temperature. And then at the bottom, where the vent is on the big green egg, you have this little gizmo that has a fan. And when the when the temperature gets too low, the fan comes on and brings it back up to temp. So you can set it and forget it. You can go inside, put a Boston butt on, and go drink beer and come back and take Joe, it off the grill. it's complicated. And, <laughs> you know, my experience is people who have big green eggs, they are fanatics. It takes it's a, like a fraternity, well, sorority, Doug whatever. Doug Boone is the king of the big green egg. 
And I get some of my tips. I've from got him. to say Clark Etheridge okay. too. Well. I think we we see yeah Doug and Doug and Clark. But um, what's the deal on the big green egg? Well, there's a, it's it's the how you regulate the temperature because you have to regulate it from the bottom vent and the top vent, and it takes a little while to make how, where you can get it to where it's set to the exact temperature. If you're going to cook ribs for four hours at 350, it takes a little while to get it to, that, to know. How much of the vent should be open to the top? How much should be open at the bottom? So that's why this barbecue guru thing makes it simple. Makes it simple for me anyway. <laughs> I don't have to worry about it. I say, well, whatever gets the job done. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> now, what's the deal? You, we put this down. This uh, uh, in the big green egg. Can you do beer can chicken? You can do beer can chicken in the big green egg, but you can do it in regular. You can do it in a regular. And most people that do it. Wait, on, where is our sample? Well, here's what, our the sample. beer. No, no. This, this is a this is a, a fake a, beer. A, it's a fake beer can. It's a cylinder mounted on a, a, a stainless steel base that you put the chicken on. Now, when you do the big, when you do the uh, on the when you do a beer can chicken, you really need to do it on indirect heat. Okay, so you get your fire set on one side and you put the chicken on the other side. So you impale the chicken on a full exactly. can of beer. Legs down. Legs down. <laughs> Think about the legs touching the grill. Okay, yeah. legs down. So, so and then and so the beer as it gets hot infuses it, it, it the mo- chicken. Yeah, and it, mo- it keeps it moist. So if you don't want beer, you can use you can use any kind of can that the chicken will fit on, and you can use apple cider. You can use wine. You can use beer. You can use bourbon. You could use anything to infuse flavor and continue to give it moisture. Yes, and if you don't want to use a beer can, you can go buy whatever a that thing is tube, a metal <laughs> tube with uh, a flat base to impale your That's chicken right. on. You but I, I think the beer can sounds sounds fun. Do you have a recommendation for what kind of beer to use, Joe? Whatever you, you like. Care? Whatever you like. <laughs> whatever now you they like. have so many different craft beers too. I'm, t- I'm starting to think they have like strawberry infused you beers. You can do that. And, you know, the, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, Good People Brewing Company in Birmingham, and they. Make Make their own their version of a Corona, and it's called Muchacho, and uh-huh. I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Now I, I was always thinking because you know you see the the, the regular American beers all the time, but if you get creative with it with the different yeah. flavors, it yeah. might be something. Yeah, Java, do that for us and come back and report. Give us oh, a well, report. I, I'll go buy the ingredients and have my father do the barbecue. Okay. I know yeah. I know my role on Fourth of July, and it's a it's a, it's almost like a gopher. Like go, <laughs> I know we need to go go get some more sauce, go get some more uh some more wood and charcoal and chips and stuff. Okay, I can do that. Just tell Nothing me what it's wrong with eat. that. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that at all. Man, this show's been fun. Oh, it has. It really has. Thank y'all. Yeah, Joe, we appreciate you, man. It's it's like I say, it's not even special guests, co-hosts, and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. It's just Joe Sherman is back. Well, I really, I really enjoy it, and I hope the listeners uh, gain a lot of information, or you know, you know, at least maybe, have a good laugh. I mean, these are like like Jack Garner <laughs> told me one time. You can tell people. As I was, when you go to when you go to uh, England, you can tell them in conversation. As I was viewing the Rosetta Stone, you can say, <laughs> as I was listening to Deep South Dining, I learned. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> there we go. I love it. I love it, man. Yeah, we appreciate you. And Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and is funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. For always, Mr. Joe Sherman, the fabulous Carol Palmer of Java Chapman. Stay tuned for Now You're Talking with Marsha Ramsey uh, coming up next and Southern Remedy at 11. And not next Monday, because it is the 4th of July. But after that, join us. Many more Mondays to come for Deep South Dining, heard only on MPB Think Radio.
Thank you.